Welcome to Pod to the Rescue, a podcast from Summit Dog Rescue in Boulder, Colorado. I'm Emily. And I'm Libby. We're both professional dog trainers with multiple certifications in dog training and behavior. Together, we have more than two decades of experience in dog rescue. We want to share everything we've learned along the way with other folks involved in dog rescue, sheltering, fostering, and adoption, and anyone who just loves dogs. Rescuing the dog is just the first step. We're here to help with everything that comes next. Hello, listeners, and welcome back to Pod to the Rescue. I'm Libby. And I'm Emily. And today we thought we would talk about our recent dogs in rescue because we haven't done that in a while, have we? Now I feel like it's been since we had Boomer, so almost a year ago since we actually did some updates and discussions about some of our rescue dogs. Yeah, and we have had puppies this spring and summer, and oh my gosh, puppies are fun and they're stressful. <laughs> they are a lot of work lot of to work. foster and to place appropriately in their forever homes. And we also had the Brittany. Oh, yeah. Sammy the Brittany. Sammy the Brittany. Infamous Brittany. Mm-hmm. All right. So where should we start? Um, maybe we should start with Maverick and Goose. Um, I think they're pretty interesting. They were in a shelter with four siblings in, um, outside of Kansas city, but technically in Missouri, the Kansas city, Missouri. Um, and there were six of them and they had been there for four weeks when we heard about them all six, which is still stunning Mm. to me. And they were like the most adorable little black fluffy lab mixes. They were presented as Newfoundland mixes because some of them were really fluffy and um, four weeks in a underserved shelter is not a great place for a puppy to be growing up. Mm -mm. So they caught our hearts And we immediately were like, oh my God, well, we can't take six because we just don't have any fosters anymore, which is something we could talk about as well. Just this lack of fosters after the pandemic. Um, So luckily, you know, we have pretty good relationships with other rescues and we begged and asked and they made room. So four went to other rescues, thank goodness. And we ended up with two, Goose and Maverick. Mm -hmm. And it was really fascinating to me. Um, They came in and at that point they were close to four months old, which is the end of that critical socialization period. Yeah. So, you know, I was concerned for sure because that critical socialization period ends, they say, between like 12 and 14 weeks. And up until then, I think, what is it, from seven to 14 weeks, roughly, is when you really want to be carefully exposing your puppy to, like, all the things in the environment that they're going to need to know about, whether that be, like, vacuum cleaners, skateboarders, children, um, Men wearing hats. Men wearing hats. (laughs) Go back and listen to our amazing interview with Eileen and Marge about puppy socialization. Um, Because it's just, they call it the critical period because it's critical. Mm -hmm. So these guys didn't have that. Yeah. And 
this is the time period where the the puppy's brain is starting to make associations and they're making meaning of everything in their environment. And for them to be growing up in a really stressful, confusing environment, like a shelter, and even the best shelters, like are kind of a stressful and confusing environment for a dog. You know, I, yeah. I want to make it really clear that like, we love shelters and also it's a hard place for a puppy to grow up. Yeah, it's really hard and it doesn't really mimic the real world because it's a big building. I don't even know if they had outdoor playtime and lots of barking. Anyway, long story short, um, Goose turned out to just be like, came off kind of cool as a cucumber, went into a foster home, stayed cool as a cucumber, really absorbed all the training and all the exposure work. Mavi is a little bit more sensitive. Um, we did send off their Embark DNA tests. Uh, our best guess is that they are lab German Shepherd mixes. Mm. And it's interesting because, you know, we'll never know for sure. But in our minds, it's almost like Goose got more of that lab, like easygoing. And then Mavi got a little bit of that German Shepherd, like, risk assessment. Like, what is it? Um, especially out on walks. Like Mavi is so sweet and so amazing inside, but he's just a little more concerned about his environment outside. So we've been working really hard with him. He's in a great foster home and we have people going almost every day working with him and his amazing foster mom on things like the car mm -hmm. and walking on a leash without being really worried about like skateboarders and, you know, dogs barking behind fences. Like those are concerning things for a yeah. now five month old puppy. Right. And especially if they haven't had the support they needed during the critical socialization period to learn that, oh, a dog barking behind a fence is no big deal. Mm -hmm. So let's start with the car because this is one of the things that's making it so hard to help Maverick because he's afraid, he's terrified of the car. Yeah. Um, why do you think he might be so afraid of the car and how are you helping him? So when you think about it, those five weeks, he was dropped at the shelter. They were all owner surrenders. So, you know, unless they all were walked there in a box um, <laughs> at eight weeks, they mm -hmm. came there in a car and then they had to go off site to a veterinarian to go to get their shots. So they went twice to a veterinarian while they were at that shelter. Um, so I'm assuming, you know, shelter workers like stressed having a, a completely over full shelter to contend with. So they don't have time to be like, how are you feeling about this? How is this for you getting in the car? You know, they're like, we got to get six puppies to the vet. So they went to the vet in the in a van, I'm assuming. And then, then they did a, like a 16 hour transport here in a big van with barking dogs and rattling crates. And, you know, it's, it's life-saving. It's not a cushy cruise. Um, and then from there we brought them home and, you know, th there's just nothing good has ever happened from going in a car from their perspective. Right. Their entire association with getting in the car is scary things happen. It's a scary experience and there's something scary on the other end. You know, yeah. we've talked about this before in various episodes of like, you, 
the dog doesn't know they're being rescued. Right. They have no concept of what is happening. So Maverick is now afraid to get in the car. And so you're taking it really easy with his foster of creating new positive associations to change that negative condition, emotional response to a positive condition, emotional response, right? Yep. And just to take one little step back, I just always think it's interesting to unpack like the car or Mm -hmm. anything that we're like, they're having a problem with. It's amazing to me that any dog actually likes the car. Like there's (laughs) nothing natural about being in a box that flies at 60 to 80 miles an hour down a highway and then hits bumps and Mm -hmm. stops you know, like, it's amazing to me that any dog is like, sure, I'll go in the car. Yeah. Actually, I like the car. Yeah. And then sometimes there's like a disembodied voice, which we know is the radio. Right. But the dog is like, what, where is this voice coming from? And what is it? Like, it's yeah. got to be like a really bad trip. I mean, yeah. <laughs> like, right. for yeah. a dog, I can't imagine yeah. if they don't understand. And then uh-huh. sirens and car oh, horns. And, yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So what we're doing with him is just going really slow. And in dog training, we call this splitting where you like take a behavior and you just like pull out every component you know, like every thread Mm -hmm. and getting him comfortable with those. Like at first it was like, can you hop up in the car on your own? It wasn't like put a chunk of meat in the car and see if he'll get in for the meat. Cause that's luring, which can, you know, work against you because it's not changing necessarily their feeling. They're more like, I really want that. I would say it's like the job you had that you didn't like, you know, it didn't Mm -hmm. make you love working at a fast food restaurant, even though they paid you, you weren't like, I love that. Right. You know, so you, we want to change the way he feels about the car. So there's a lot of And if you just try to like tease him into the car with a lure, he might do it, but he might still feel conflicted about it. Whereas if you make it his choice and then pair that with a positive stimulus, then that changes his underlying emotions. Is that right? That's it. Yep. Yep. So he has the choice because anything we're forced into Mm -hmm. doesn't always feel good to us. No. And then rewarding good choices, good or brave choices. Mm. We like try to catch him being brave. Mm. Yeah. And being like, yes, here you go. Good choice. So you talked about splitting, like you're splitting the behavior down to him willingly getting in the car and then like what laying down in the car and then his foster, like closing the door. And maybe it's not even closing the door. It's like reaching their hand out to touch the door and then closing the door halfway and then closing it all the way and opening it right back up. Like, is that kind of how you're breaking it down? That's exactly it. And then starting the car and she's kind of hanging out with him and doing like chicken parties when he's in there with the door open and the mm-hmm. band. Like, okay, Mavi. And like having him get out before he seems like he's stressed. Yeah. That's Being super like, Come important. On, let's go. Yeah. 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 And, um, you know, we're going to try to get him to puppy club. He did great yesterday. He had a great day yesterday in the car. So, you know, it seems so slow, but mm-hmm. we feel like going slow, you get, a solid foundation. Yeah. Cool. 
So that's that's little fearful puppy Maverick. Yeah. And we really see so many improvements. So we're, we're really just thrilled. Awesome. And, yeah. and how long has it been now since he's been in rescue? Like He's been here five weeks. He did okay. change fosters halfway through. Um, mm-hmm. So that was a little bit of a setback, just, you know, readjusting to a totally new home. And, you yeah. know, we're hoping, like, we feel like he's not fully, like, cooked yet. You know, like, mm-hmm. we're like, he's still a work in progress. Yeah. We are taking applications, but it's like, we really want to, support him and get him a little more solid probably like in three weeks we feel like he will be yeah to the point where you know people will have to continue working with him like any dog mm-hmm. but he'll have some skills right and you know one of the reasons we're taking this so slow and being so conscientious and careful is because yet we want to help him feel better and also he's going to be a big black dog mm-hmm And once a black dog hits adulthood, they're not a cute, fluffy puppy anymore. Black dogs, I I know there's data out there. I don't have it in front of me. They are harder to adopt. And if we have a fearful black dog who maybe his fear is coming out as something that looks aggressive, that's, I mean. Yeah, Right. Like that's if he tough. Starts, that's tough. That's hard for yeah. him. He loves all people in his house. And he does great with the resident dogs. It's just, you know, we want to make sure that he's comfortable out in the world because, yeah. yeah, it is tough. The black dog thing, people say it doesn't exist. They call it black dog syndrome, mm-hmm. but we have seen it over and over. They're just harder to fo- photograph. Mm-hmm. And there's just so many of them. Yeah. 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 And since they're harder to get cute pictures of, you know, people don't apply for them as much. And I mean, we had a hard time placing Benny and he was like a super adorable wire haired dog, but he was 70 pounds mm-hmm. and he had some issues. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody wants to adopt a two year old, 50 pound, well adjusted social dog who doesn't shed. <laughs> And listeners, let me tell you, those are not the dogs who get surrendered to rescue. Yeah, not very often. (laughs) Those are the dogs that are still in their first homes. Oh, my goodness. Well, and then that leads us to Sammy, who Mm. we took in, I think, in the beginning of May. Sammy came to us. Mm -hmm. He was an owner surrender in Arkansas to the local shelter, actually, where we got Benny from. Mm and they were like, hey, let's just let's just see if this rescue will take him so he doesn't have to go into the shelter and then to the rescue. So the family loved him enough to keep him, which was great. I'm sure this was a hard decision for them. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was a one-year-old Brittany. And one thing that we see a lot in rescue is adolescence being mm. surrendered, which is maybe one reason we're also so careful with Mavi and Goose. Goose is adopted now, but you know, is that whole concept of like puppies are adorable. Adolescence is hard for humans when mm-hmm. we're adolescents. It's hard for almost every mammal. And so I would I'd say if they ever did a study, most dogs coming into shelters and rescues, I would guess, mm-hmm. are in their adolescence. I think I've actually heard that statistic before, and I would like to look it up 
and we'll put it in the show notes if I find it. Um, you know, speaking of adolescence, I was listening to Dr. Kathy Murphy on Michael Shikashio's podcast, and she had the most interesting things to say about the neuroscience of adolescence. And like, literally, the bright like the brakes don't work <laughs> from right. the adolescent brain, yeah. and that's why for dogs, it's like that's why it's so hard for them. You know, they they may quote unquote know the choice we want them to make, but they do not have the neurons firing in the right ways. And we'll put yeah. the link to this podcast yeah. episode in the show notes because it's definitely worth a listen. But that's one of the reasons why adolescence is so hard. So hard. She said that the excitatory neurons are developed, but the inhibitory neurons yes. don't come online as much. So that's why you have your increased emotionality, your, you know, impulsivity. So that's hard for people. You know, they mm-hmm. get this cute little Brittany puppy and they were older people, you know, the wife worked and mm-hmm. so she was gone all day and the husband was retired and I'm sure they loved him and wanted to do the best for him, but he was a lot of dog. Mm-hmm. So here we are, we take this one-year-old Brittany because we were like, oh, well, we have all these data points. Like he was house trained and he was good with dogs and people. And so that was really, you know, okay, this dog, we could probably adopt out. And we got tons of interest, but when he got here, he was a lot of dog. <laughs> I mean, we should have known. We should, yeah. like, we're like, okay, you were bred to hunt birds, mm-hmm. you know, or, you know, to flush them and then bring them back to the gun person. I don't really yeah. totally, I've never done this kind of work, but so why were we super surprised when he just ran around <laughs> his, his little boulder yard? Actually, it was a lovely big boulder yard, mm-hmm. but he would run at about 20 to 30 miles an hour looking up at all the birds. Oh my gosh. Yeah. He actually like knocked down his sweetest, most amazing foster mom, <sighs> like to the point where she like bruised her ribs because he was oh, wow. running and looking up. Oh my gosh. And, you know, the thing I want to add here is that sometimes, even if you're familiar with a breed, sometimes you get a dog who's just extra. Yeah. They're just extra. And it's like, there's like a fire lit underneath all of those (laughs) genetics and they're all coming together and it's like, whoosh. Right. And Sammy is that kind of dog. And then like just that unsettling of the rehoming probably, you know, contributed to the extra. Well, we kept on getting all these really lovely people who had like mellow Britneys and yeah. Mm -hmm. And we're like, so this isn't, this isn't that. So (sighs) yeah, but he ended up finding a fabulous home up in the mountains with this younger, active, strong couple who had Mm -hmm. a 12 year old Brittany that they had gotten from a shelter who came with that extra Mm-hmm. And they said he just mellowed in like the last two years. Oh, wow. So, you know, he'll be ha- hiking and camping and, you know, he'll be doing all those things that he needed to be doing. Yeah. Lots of outdoor time. Lots of outdoor time. And like, he just couldn't walk through the suburban streets. One of our volunteers would pop him in the car and take him out hiking on trails mm-hmm. in the mountains. And he did great, but bring him into the city and he was just undone. Yeah. Just completely overstimulated kind of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 
I've, you know, I've worked with um, dogs with some spaniel genetics and it's tough. Like you can see that behavior of like the frantic back forth. Oh my gosh, bird, 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 bird. (laughs) And it's hard, like in a neighborhood full of like songbirds and robins and, you know, if they can have a little more space. It's, and I, it makes I don't it a lot know easier. what the bird population is like in this town in Arkansas he came mm-hmm. from, but he went to a beautiful yard, like a home in Boulder, mm-hmm. and she had like such an incredible bird population. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't have that many birds, but she had all these beautiful trees and mm. it just must have been, and she's nestled right up against the foothills, like right by Chautauqua. Mm-hmm. Maybe they just like fly out of the mountains right over there and <laughs> hang out. And maybe a lot of people had bird feeders. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But I was like, wow, I never noticed how many birds we have until yeah. Sammy came to town. <laughs> <laughs> and it blew Sammy's mind. Yeah. Well, that's something else to that we say a lot about. Like, you know, you bring a dog from somewhere else in the country and our water tastes different. The air smells different. Our birds probably smell different, you know? Yeah. So poor guy was just like, his mind was blown. Mine was blown, but he's doing really well. And being with that group of dogs, he has two other dogs Mm -hmm. to kind of socially model off of and, and play with and snuggle with. I think it's really good for him. Good. Awesome. And then last but not least is just Bodhi, who we did not intend to take because we were a little bit overwhelmed. We're a really small rescue and we've been limited on fosters, but Bodhi was an interesting one. He came from um, a really lovely lady who bought him from what she didn't realize was a puppy mill in, I can't remember, Ohio, I think. Hmm. And he arrived in a van and two days later, her grandmother had a medical emergency and she had to go be with her grandmother. So she wrote us and she was like, I can't keep him. I won't be home. Can you take him? And so we did, cause he was a four month old sheep doodle puppy mm-hmm. and we knew someone would take him and we wanted to make sure he got the right home, not just a home. So yeah. we took him and he got a, amazingly a great foster. Um, But he, you know, he had missed as well that critical socialization period. Um, We looked at the records where he came from and it was like hundreds of puppies in, you know, kennels, um, you know, outside. So at least they weren't stacked in cages. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, so he has... He doesn't really seem to have too many issues, but he had some low confidence coming in. Mm-hmm. He did some puppy clubs and he got adopted by some actually amazing fosters of ours. Mm-hmm. And he's one of the more adjusted puppies um, so far. Mm-hmm. He's five months old now, but he, d- he lacked some confidence. We did have to go slow with him and do some puppy clubs and mm-hmm. yeah. 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 So a sheepadoodle puppy, that's an old English sheepdog. Yeah. With mixed poodle. with a poodle. Wow. Yeah. So yeah. those are those that's an interesting mix of livestock guardian and a poodle, which is 
kind of a gun dog, but also has a little bit of guard dog. Um, yeah, so that'll be yeah. interesting to see how he progresses. But um, yeah, his his new home is is fabulous, and I have no doubt that he'll do great there. But yeah, he was one of those examples of like when we do have Kim Brophy on and we talk about like the self, like his mm -hmm. self was pretty good as long as people were gentle and gave mm -hmm. him time to, you know, assess yeah. it. He was yeah. pretty, pretty solid dog. So <laughs> kind of an awkward truth about all breed rescue is that doodles can be easier to place than other dogs because they're so popular. And so, <sighs> You know, sometimes they have behavior issues, a lot of times related to arousal and things like that. But, you know, it, when we have the opportunity to help match a doodle with the perfect home for them, we usually take it because people apply for doodles more than they apply for other random mixed breed dogs. Is that is that still right, Em? That Based is on our true. Yeah. It's, you know, it's, um, it's sad. And if we can help one, um, we do. Last year we had Otter who really had copious amounts of issues. It's, you know, the doodle dilemma is what mm -hmm. I call it. Mm -hmm. um, everybody wants them. So in a lot of ways, placing a doodle we've found is almost just as hard because <laughs> they still have all, they're still a dog. They still have all those issues. So last year we had Otter and he was an owner surrender from here in Colorado. Um, and super nice single mom with two kids. She was just overwhelmed. Um, he started arousal biting her when he hit adolescence and barking. So she created him like almost all the time. He was either in the backyard without people or crated. Then mm -hmm. she sent him off to like a dominance trainer who told her that, you know, he just needed to be the, like you, you just had to be the pack leader and use this prong collar. And that didn't really help anything. And he was back in the crate. And so she reached out to us. So we took him, long story short, we found like some amazing people who were like, oh my God, he doesn't seem that complicated. Well, the first night he came undone and was arousal biting the heck out of the guy. And he was like, can't do it. Mm -hmm. So we quickly moved him to a board and train, which there's only like four force-free board and trains that I know of in the whole state of Colorado. Everybody mm -hmm. else is shock and prong. So we're not big friends of Borden trains. Um, be really careful if you use one and ask them what methods they would use and what happens if the dog gets it wrong. Mm -hmm. So he went to a week with Ellie Shiva, who's amazing, who was on our, our arousal episode. Mm -hmm. So if you want to know more about arousal, go listen to that incredible podcast. And then he went to an experienced foster and eventually was adopted. Yeah, but that's a good point of like their doodles can almost have that popularity working against them because so many people think, oh, I want a doodle. And then we get inundated with applications, very few of whom might be a good fit for that individual dog. Right. They're still a dog. It's like Julia Roberts yeah. is beautiful, but she's still a person. And yeah. I love it and her didn't make it. 
what? I'm sorry. Now I'm aging myself. You know what I mean? Just because you're beautiful doesn't mean that you're you're going to make it in every relationship. It's not like a golden right. ticket. Right. Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, you're so right. And like doodles are cute. They look like teddy bears, but they are still dogs. It's still another species that you're bringing into your home to coexist with. And man. <sighs> yeah. When they're arousal biting you at 10 o'clock at night, like you don't care that they don't shed. You're yeah. like, well, what do I do? <laughs> or Loki. I mean, Loki was leash reactive. He was mm-hmm. that gorgeous, big black doodle. I think, I don't know if he was a golden doodle or a labradoodle. I think he was, he was a burner. Labradoodle. He was a burner oh, doodle, was right? He a burner doodle? I can't remember. Anyway, we've done a lot of doodles. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was leash reactive and he was huge. Mm-hmm. He was actually really dog friendly, but leash reactivity. And so people, you know, were like, oh, we want him in like downtown Denver. And we're mm-hmm. like, oh, yeah. That's a lot of dog to be trying to navigate around dogs. Yeah. We will keep you updated on how little Maverick is doing. Um, and if you have any questions, let us know on social, reach out. Yeah. And we'll try and to if, put up some videos and some reels of him. Yeah. And some of these dogs, we could put up some pictures of who they were so you can know who they were. But if you guys found this episode interesting, we thought it might be interesting for people to just kind of listen to what we talk about behind the scenes Yeah, with these dogs and yeah. our considerations. Exactly. A little behind the scenes into a rescue as we're, you know, assessing these dogs, helping them get into a better place and finding the right forever home. You know, and I, a lot of rescues do things differently from us and that's totally valid. But we, like I said earlier, like we are small volume. Part of that is just because we have a low foster pool and... Um, but also part of it is because we're really conscientious about our placements and making sure that each dog is the right fit for their forever home. Um, and so, yeah, that's why we spend so much time on these dogs. And why we've learned so much about behavior. Cause we have seen, unfortunately, you know, we've been doing it for 12 years, 14 years, and we've had a lot of dogs that didn't succeed. Mm-hmm. So we're really trying to do the best we can for a small amount of dogs. Yeah. All right. Listeners, thank you so much. We'll catch you next time. Thanks for tuning in. If you liked this episode, don't forget to rate and review. It helps other folks like you find the show. Thanks to Mike Pesci for the original music and James Ede of Be Heard for production. For show notes and transcripts, visit poddotherescue.com. Let us know what you think about this episode on social media. We're at Pod to the Rescue on Facebook and Instagram, and we love connecting with listeners. We'll catch you next time on Pod to the Rescue. Oh, and tell your dog we said hi. Hi.